I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Had a Batman suit in his secret room. I just don't know where I'm supposed to find Oh, oh! Well, uh, you've reached Leaves of Glen, haven't you? Where I read the hottest uh, public domain books and short stories. This week, we're continuing to read David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. Uh, it's the eighth novel, uh, first published as a serial uh, in uh, magazines or whatever, from 1849 to 1850. And then later when he said, oh, this is popular, I wonder if I can make more money off it. He made it into a book in 1850. It's widely considered his most popular work. Uh, he's born the 7th of February, uh, February 1812 and died the 9th of June 1870. Uh, I am consumed with the idea that he had a secret room in his home with a bookshelf you move aside and you walk in. I lived with someone that had something similar in their little rambler, but uh, he had a whole series of fake books uh, made with the spines to have whimsical little things on them, and that's delightful. It sounds about right for him. But uh, the thing I read uh, in uh, one uh, discoverwalks.com was that he had a Batman suit in this secret room. Now, we know that Batman didn't exist when he was around, uh, Batman as we know it. So what's the Batman suit? I've looked on the internet, and uh, all I can find is People doing gross things with Batman wearing a top hat. Uh, it's a comic. Someone made a comic about it. Uh, Dickens rises with the Dark Knight in Gotham City. And just all sorts of horrible things. Uh, none of them any good. So I guess I'm going to have to let this go. I can't find it anywhere. So with that... Uh, Let's read some fun facts about him. Uh, his wife, Catherine, was also a published author. Uh, the Dickens family was made up of writers. His wife, Catherine, published her first book in 1851. Uh, she, like Dickens, wrote under a pseudonym, uh, which uh, she made up the name Lady Maria Clutterbuck. Catherine's book was on cooking recipes, which offered uh, menu ideas. The title of the book was What Shall We Have for Dinner? And uh, the book catered for meals uh, from two people to 18 of them. Unfortunately, Dickens' biographer used this book against her, stating that the meal she cooked weighed him down. Kind of fussy, kind of a dumb thing to say, but all right. Modern critics of the book had uh, something to say about it. They found the menu was too laden. Huh. Well, 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 well. Who would have thought that the world of cookbooks would have such fussy people judging it. Meals such as fricassee chicken, uh, fried potatoes, marrow pudding, macaroni and cheese, can't complain about that, uh, a lot of bacon, and Italian cream to be too much since people uh, didn't eat anything at the table. Don't know what that means, but that's what I get. Uh, she has been blamed for Victorian cooking, which has itself been misrepresented. 
So the poor lady, all she did was just make a cookbook, and people crapped all over it. Poor, she's just one book. Thank God for the pseudonym, so that they don't know who it really was. David, uh, in our previous chapter, settles into Miss Betsy's and establishes a strong friendship with Mr. Dick. It's decided that uh, David is going to go to school uh, in nearby Canterbury. And after arriving in town, they go to the office of Miss Betsy's lawyer, Mr. Wickfield. It's decided that he's going to live with Mr. Wickfield uh, while he goes to this school. Uh, and he introduces him to his daughter, Agnes. Not a beautiful name, but she's a beautiful young woman the same age as him. David's quite pleased at uh, always just just domestic atmosphere. Everything's very clean. All the corners, very big on corners, had a, a purpose. No corner went without a purpose. But it's disturbed by the presence of the uh, about uh, of a clerk, Uriah Heep. Makes him feel uneasy. Oh, he hates Uriah Heep. Why? Because he's got red hair and his skin's pale. So immediately, everything about Uriah Heep is clammy and disgusting, and he's constantly staring at him. Oh, thank God. Well, uh, why don't we dive into uh, the next chapter, and then it'll save you hearing me complain about how I've been making myself more active on Twitter, and I hate every minute of it. Chapter 16. I am a new boy in more senses than uh, than one. Next morning, after breakfast, I entered on school life again. I went, accompanied by Mr. Wickfield, to the scene of my future studies, a grave building in a courtyard with a learned air about it that seemed very well suited to the stray rooks and jackdaws who came... What's a jackdaw? Oh, I promised I'd never do this again, but I gotta look this up. I've heard the term before, but I don't know what it means. A small gray-headed crow that typically nests in tall buildings and chimneys, noted for its inquisitiveness. Fine. Who came down from the cathedral towers to walk with a clerkly bearing on the grass plot and was introduced to my new master, Dr. Strong. Oh, Dr. Strong looked almost as rusty, to my thinking, as the tall iron rails and gates outside the house, and almost as stiff and uh, heavy as the great stone urns that flanked them, and were set up on the top of the red brick wall at regular distances all around the court, which, like sublimated skittles for a time to play at. He was in his library. I mean, Dr. Strong was, in parentheses, that's weird, as if he realized the reader might not know what's going on. That's interesting. That was a weird little uh, thing to pop in the middle of the book. With his clothes not particularly uh, well brushed, and his hair not particularly well combed, and his knee smalls unbraced, his long black gaiters unbuttoned, and his shoes yawning like two caverns on the hearthrug. Turning upon me a lusterless eye that reminded me of a long-forgotten blind old horse who once used to crop the grass and trumble over the graves in Blunderstone Churchyard. He said he was glad to see me, and then he, he gave me his hand, which I didn't know what to do with, as <laughs> it did nothing for itself. I wouldn't know what to do with it either if someone just, like, hand, put their hand out and I'm supposed to just touch it. What, do you got to kiss it? I don't understand. But sitting at work, not far from Dr. Strong, was a very pretty young lady, whom he called 
Annie. And who is his daughter, I suppose, but got uh, me out of my difficulty by kneeling down to put Dr. Strong's shoes on and button his gaiters, which he did, uh, which she did with great cheerfulness and quickness. Uh, when she had finished, uh, when we were going into the schoolroom, I was much surprised to hear Mr. Wickfield, uh, bidding her good morning, address her as Miss Strong. Uh, and I was uh, wondering, well, could she be Dr. Strong's uh, son's wife? Or could she be Mrs. Dr. Strong, when Dr. Strong himself unconsciously enlightened me? Uh, by the by, Wickfield, he said, stopping at a passage with his hand on my shoulder, you have not found any suitable provision for my wife's cousin yet? No, said Mr. Wickfield. No, uh, not yet. I could wish he was... "'Done as soon as it can be done, Wickfield,' said Dr. Strong, "'for Jack Malden is needy and idle. "'And of those two bad things, uh, worse things uh, sometimes come. What, the, "'What does Dr. Watts say?' he added, looking at me "'and moving his head to the time of his quotation. "'Satan finds some mischief still for idle hands to do.' Egad, doctor, returned Mr. Wickfield. If Dr. Watts knew mankind, he might have written uh, with as much truth. Satan finds some mischief still for busy hands to do. Uh, the busy people achieve their full share of mischief in the world, and you may rely upon it. What have the people been about who have been the busiest in getting uh, money, getting power, this century or two? Uh, no mischief? "'Jack Malden will never be very busy in getting either, I expect,' said the doctor, strong, rubbing his chin thoughtfully. "'Well, oh, oh, perhaps not,' said Mr. Wickfield. "'And you bring me back to the question with an, an apology for digressing. "'No, I have not been able to dis dispose of Mr. Jack Malden yet, I believe,' he said with some hesitation. "'I penetrate your motive, and it makes the thing more difficult. My motive, returned the Dr. Strong, I keep saying the Dr. Strong, I don't know why I'm doing that, is to make some suitable provision uh, for a cousin and an old playfellow of Annie's. Yes, I know, said Mr. Wickfield, at home or abroad. Aye, replied the doctor, apparently wondering why he emphasized those words so much, at home or abroad. Your own expression, you know, said Mr. Wickfield, or abroad. Surely, the doctor answered, surely one or the other. I have no idea what's going on right now. One or the other? Have you no choice, asked Mr. Wickfield. Yep, don't know what's going on. No, returned the doctor. No, with astonishment, not the least. No motive, said Mr. Wickfield, for meaning abroad and not at home. Yep, I'm still lost. No, returned the doctor. I am bound to believe you, and of course... I do believe you, said Mr. Wickfield. It might have uh, simplified my office very much if I had known about it before, but I confess I entertained another impression. Yeah, Dr. Strong regarded him with a puzzled and doubting look, which almost immediately subsided into a smile that gave me great encouragement, for it was full of ambivalency and sweetness, and there was uh, a simplicity in it, and indeed, in his whole manner, when the studious pondering frost upon it was uh, got through very unattractive hopeful to a young scholar like me repeating no and not the least and other short assurances to the same purport dr strong uh, jogged on us uh, before us 
at a queer, eh, uneven pace. And we followed. Mr. Whitfield looking grave, I observed, and shaking his head to himself without knowing that I saw him. Well, the, the schoolroom was a pretty large hall, on the quietest side of the house, confronted by the stately stare of some half-dozen of the great urns and commanding a peep of an old secluded garden belonging to the doctor, where, uh, where, where peaches were ripening on the sunny south wall. Oh, there were two great aloes uh, in tubs on the turf outside the windows. The, the broad hard leaves of which plant, looking as if they were made of painted tin, have ever since, by association, been symbolical to me of silence and retirement. About uh, five and twenty boys were studiously engaged at their books, burp, when we went in, but they rose to give the doctor good morning and remained standing when they saw Mr. Wickfield and me. Uh, a new boy, young gentleman, said the doctor, Trotwood Copperfield, uh, one, Adams, who was the head boy, then stepped out of his place and welcomed me. Oh, he looked like a young clergyman in his, his white cravat. But he was very affable and good-humored, and he showed me my place and presented me to the masters in a gentlemanly way that would have put me at ease if anything could. Oh, it seemed to me so long, however, since I had been among such boys or among any companions my own age, except Mick Walker and Mealy Potatoes, that I felt as strange as I ever have done in my life. Yeah, I was so conscious of having passed through scenes of which they, they could have no knowledge and of having acquired experiences foreign to my age, appearance, and condition as one of them. Uh, that I half believed it was an imposture to come there as an ordinary uh, little schoolboy. I had become, in the Murdstone and Grimby time, however short or long it may have been, so unused to the sports and games of uh, boys that I knew I was awkward uh, in an experience in the commonest things belonging to them. Whatever I had learned had so slipped away from me and the sordid cares of my life from day to night, that now, when I was examined about what I knew, I knew nothing, and was put into the lowest form of the school. But troubled as I was uh, by my want of boyish skill, and of uh, book learning too, I was made infinitely more uncomfortable by the consideration that, in what I did know, I was much further removed from my companions than in what I did not. My mind ran upon what they would think if they knew of my familiar acquaintance with the King's Bench Prison, question mark. Was there anything about me which would reveal my proceedings in connection with the McWeber family? All those pawnings and sellings and suppers, in spite of myself, suppose some of the boys had seen me coming through Canterbury, wayworn and ragged, and should uh, eh, find me out. What would they, uh, what would they say? Who made so light of money if they could know how I had scraped my half-pence together for the purchase of my daily salvoy and beer, again with the beer, he's like ten, or my slices of pudding? How would it affect them, were it so innocent of London life and London streets, to discover how knowing I was, and ashamed to be, in some of the meanest faces of both? All this ran in my head so much on that the first day at Dr. Strong's that I felt distrustful of my slightest look and gesture. 
shrunk within myself whatsoever. I was approached by one of my new schoolfellows and hurried off. Uh, the minute school was over, afraid of committing myself in my response to any friendly notice or advance, but there was such an influence in Mr. Wickfield's old house that when I knocked at it with my new school books under my arm, I began to feel my uneasiness soften away. As I went up to my airy old room, the grave shadow of the staircase seemed to fall upon my doubts and fears, and to make the past more indistinct, uh, I sat there, Sturdily conning my books until dinner time, uh, parentheses, uh, we were out of school for uh, good at three. It went down, hopeful of becoming a passable sort of boy yet. Agnes was in the drawing room, waiting for her father, who was detained by someone in his office. Uh, she met me with her pleasant smile and asked me how I liked school. Oh, I told her I should like it very much, I hoped, but I was a, a little strange to it at first. Uh, you, in italics, have never been to school, I said. Have you? Uh, yes, every day. Ah, uh, but you mean here, uh, at your own home? Oh, Papa couldn't spare me to go anywhere else, she answered, smiling and you know, shaking her head. Uh, his housekeeper must be in the house, you know. Yeah, he's a... Uh, yeah, very fond of you, I'm sure, I added. Yeah, she nodded. Yes. It went to the door to listen for his coming up, that she might meet him on the stairs, but as he was uh, not there, she came back again. Mama has been dead ever since I was born, she said. Well, that's pretty blunt in her quiet way. I only know her picture downstairs. I saw you looking at it yesterday. Hey, did you think whose it was? I told her yes. Because I was so like, uh, it was so like herself. Papa says so too, says Agnes, uh, pleased. Hark, uh, they, that's Papa now. Her bright, calm face lighted up with pleasure as she went to meet him. And as they came in hand in hand, he greeted me cordially and told me I should certainly be happy under Dr. Strong, who was one of the gentlest of men. I'm still hung up on uh, Wickford or whatever, it, making his daughter into, like, the housemaid. I mean, I guess it's a good thing, right? Teach her how to do hard labor, but still, at the same time, it's just weird. Won't even let her go to a real school uh, with their son, Davy, but uh, she just has to do it in the house because she's got too much work to do. There may be some, perhaps, I don't know that there are, who abuse his kindnesses, Mr. Wickfield. Oh, Wickfield, not Wickford. Never be uh, one of those, Trotwood, in anything. He is the least suspicious of mankind, and whether it is a merit or whether it's a blemish, it deserves consideration in all dealings with the doctor, great or small. He spoke, I thought, as if he were uh, eh, weary or mm, eh, dissatisfied with something, but I did not pursue the question in my mind, for dinner was just then announced. Oh, we went down and took the same seats as before. We had scarcely done so when Uriah Heep ugh, put in put in his red head and his lank hand at the door and said, uh, Here's Mr. Malden begs the favor of a word, sir. I am but this moment quit of Mr. Malden, said his master. Yes, sir, returned Uriah. But Mr. Malden has come back and uh, he begs the favor... Eh, of a, of a word. 
As he held the door open with his hand, Uriah looked at me, uh, there we go, and looked at Agnes, and, and looked at the dishes, and looked at the plates, and looked at every other object in the room, and I thought yet seemed to look at nothing. He made such an appearance at, uh, all the while of keeping his red eyes, uh, what, <laughs> dutifully on his master, I beg your pardon. It's only to say on reflection, observed the voice behind Uriah, as Uriah's head was pushed away. <laughs> oh, my lord, and the speaker substituted, pray excuse me for this intrusion, that it seems I have no choice in the matter. The sooner I go abroad, the better. My cousin Annie did say, when we talked of it, that she liked to have her friends within reach rather than to have them banished. And the old doctor, Dr. Strong, was that, Mr. Wickfield imposed gravely, Dr. Strong, of course, uh, returned the other. I call him the old doctor. Nah, it's all the same, you know. I don't know, returned Mr. Wickfield. Well, uh, Dr. Strong, said the other. Dr. Strong was of the same mind, I believe. Uh, but it uh, appears from the course you take with me that he has changed his mind. Why, there's no more to be said except that the sooner I'm off, uh, the better. Therefore, I thought I'd come back and say that the sooner I'm off, the better. What is going on? When a plunge is to be made into the water, it's no use lingering on the bank. Eh, there shall be a little lingering as possible in your case, Mr. Malden. Eh, you may depend on it, said Mr. Wickfield. Thank ye. T-H-A-N-K apostrophe E-E. So it's not just me saying it all cute, said the other. Much obliged. Uh, don't want to look a gift horse to the mouth, uh, which is not a gracious thing to do. Otherwise, I dare say my cousin Annie would easily arrange it in her own way. I, well, I suppose Annie would only have to say uh, to the old doctor, meaning that Mrs. Strong would only have to say to her husband, uh, Do I follow you? said Mr. Wickfield. Uh, uh, quite so, returned the other. Would you only have to say that she wanted such and such a thing? to be so-and-so, and it would be so-and-so uh, as a matter of uh, course. Why, as a matter of course, uh, Mr. Malden, asked Mr. Wickfield, sedately eating his dinner. Why? Because Annie's a charming young girl. And the old doctor, uh, Dr. Strong, I mean, is not uh, quite as charming young boy, said Mr. Jack Malden, laughing. No offense to anyone, Mr. Wickfield. I only mean to suppose some compensation is fair and reasonable in that sort of marriage. Uh, co compensation to the lady, sir, asked Mr. Wickfield gravely. To the lady, sir, Mr. Jack Malden answered, laughing but appearing to remark that Mr. Wickfield went on with his dinner in the same sedate, immovable manner, and that there was no hope of making him relax a muscle of his face. He added, However, I have said what I came to say, and with another apology for this intrusion, I may take myself off. Of course, I shall observe your directions in considering the matter as one to be arranged between you and me solely, and not to be referred to up at the... Uh, but the doctors. Now, have you have you dined? Asked Mister Wickfield with a motion of his hand toward the table. Thank ye. I'm going to dine," said Mister Malden, "with my cousin Annie. Goodbye." Mister Wickfield, without rising, looked after him thoughtfully as he went out. It, what like pushing the red-haired kid's head again, <laughs> just like pushing him out of the way. 
He was rather a shallow sort of young gentleman, I thought, with a handsome face, a rapid utterance, and a confident, bold air. And this was the first I ever saw of Mr. Jack Malden, whom I had not expected to see so soon when I heard the doctor speak of him that morning. And when we had dined, we went upstairs again, where everything went on exactly as the previous day. Oh, Agnes set the glasses and decanters in the same corner. Oh, he loves the corners in this house. And Mr. Wickfield sat down to drink and, and drank a good deal. Agnes played the piano for him and sat by him and, and worked and, and talked and played some games at dominoes with me. In good time, she, uh, she made tea. And afterwards, when I brought down my books, looked into them and showed me uh, what she knew of them, which is no slight matter, uh, though she said it was, uh, and, the, and what was the best way to learn and understand them. Oh, I see her with her modest, orderly, placid manner, and I hear her beautiful, calm voice as I write these words, the influence for all good, which she came to exercise over me at a later time, begins already to descend upon my, upon my, upon my breast, and I love little Emily. And I don't love Agnes, no, not at all in that way. But I, I feel that there are goodness, peace, and truth wherever Agnes is, and that the soft light of the colored window in the church, seen long ago, falls on her always, and on me when I am near her and on everything around. The time having come for her withdrawal for the night, and she, having left us, gave Mr. Wickfield my hand, uh, preparatory to going away myself, but he checked me and said, uh, Would you like to stay with us, Trotwood, or, uh, or go elsewhere? That uh, it is to stay, I answered quickly. Are you sure? Yeah, if you please, if I may. Why, but it's a dull life that we lead here, boy, I'm afraid, he said. And yeah, I'm more dull for me than Agnes, sir. Not dull at all. Then... Agnes, he repeated, walking slowly to the great chimney piece and leaning against it. Then, Agnes, exclamation point. He had drank wine that evening, or I fancied it, until his eyes were uh, bloodshot. Not that I could see them now, for they were cast down and shaded by his hand, but I had noticed them a little while before. Now, I wondered, he muttered, whether my Agnes tires of me. When I should ever tire of her, yeah, but that's different. That's quite different. He was musing, not speaking to me. So uh, I remained quiet. Uh, a dull old house, he said, and a monotonous life, but I must have her near me. I must keep her near me. If the thought that I may die and leave my darling, or uh, that my darling may die and leave me, it comes like a specter to distress my happiest hours, and it is only to be drowned in M- dash. He did not supply the word, but pacing slowly to the place where he had sat, and melancholingly uh, going through the action of pouring wine from the empty decanter, set it down and, and paced back again. It is, it, if, <laughs> I'm having a tough time with the beginning of the sentence, if it is miserable to bear uh, when she is here, he said, what it would be when she is away. No, 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 I cannot try that. He leaned against the chimney piece, brooding so long that I could not decide whether to run the risk of disturbing him by yeah, going, or to remain uh, quietly where I was, until he should come out of his reverie 
At length he aroused himself and looked about the room until his eyes encountered mine. Oh, stay with us, Trotwood, eh? He said in his usual manner, as if he were answering something I had just said. I'm glad of it. If you are company to us both, it is wholesome to have you here. Wholesome for me, wholesome for Agnes, wholesome perhaps for all of us. I'm sure it is for me, sir, I said. I am glad to be here, this poor kid, just trying to stay in one home and not get kicked out again. Oh, that's fine, fellow, said Mr. Wickfield. As long as you are glad to be here, you shall stay here. He shook his hands with me upon it and clapped me on the back and told me that when I had anything to do uh, at night after Agnes had left us or when I had wished to read for my own pleasure, I was free to come down to his room if uh, he were there and if I desired uh, for, uh, for company's sake and to sit with him. Oh, I thanked him for his consideration, and as he went down soon afterwards, and I was not tired, went down too, with a, with a book in my hand, to avail myself for half an hour of his permission, but seeing a light in the little round office, and immediately feeling myself attracted towards Uriah Heep, ooh, who had a sort of fascination for me, I went in there instead. I found Uriah reading a, a great fat book, with such demonstrative attention that his lank forefinger... Oh, again. Everything's insulting about this poor kid. Followed up every line as he read and made clammy tracks along the page or so, I fully believed, like a snail. <laughs> you are working late tonight, Uriah, says I. Yes, Mr. Copperfield, says Uriah. As I was getting on the stool opposite, I talked to him more conveniently. I observed that he had not such a thing as a smile about him, and that he could only widen his mouth and make two hard creases down his cheeks, one on each side, to stand for one. I'm not doing office work, Master Copperfield, said Uriah. Yeah, what work then? I asked. I'm improving my legal knowledge, Mr. Copperfield, said Uriah. I'm going through Tid's practice. Oh, what a writer Mr. Tid is, Mr. Copperfield. My stool was such a tower of observation that as I watched him reading on again after this rapturous exclamation and following up the lines of his forefinger, I observed uh, that, his, that his nostrils, which were thin and uh, uh, pointed, with sharp uh, dints in them, had a singular and most uncomfortable way of expanding and uh, contracting themselves, that they seemed to twinkle instead of his eyes, which hardly ever twinkled at all. Ugh. I suppose you are quite a great lawyer, I said, looking at him for some time. Me? Oh, Master Copperfield, said Uriah. Oh, no, I'm a very uh, humble person. It was no fancy of mine about his hands, I observed, uh, for he frequently ground the palms against each other as if to squeeze them dry and warm, besides uh, often wiping them in a stealthy way on his pocket handkerchief. I am well aware that I am the humblest person going, said Uriah Keep modestly. Let the other be where they may. My mother is likewise a very humble person. We live in an humble abode, Master Copperfield but have much to be thankful for. My father's former calling was humble. Uh, he was a sexton. What, uh, what is he now? I asked. He's a, a partaker of glory at present, Master Copperfield, said Uriah Heep, but we have much to be thankful for. How much have I to be thankful for in living with Mr. Wickfield? 
I asked Uriah if he had been with Mr. Wickfield long. Oh, I've, uh, I've been with him. Uh, going on four year, Mr. Copperfield, said Uriah, shutting up his book after carefully marking the place where he'd left off, uh, since a, a year after my father's death. Uh, how much have I to be thankful for in that? How much have I to be thankful for in Mr. Wickfield's kind intention to give me my articles, which would otherwise not lay within the humble means of mother and self? Uh, then, when your article time is over, you'll be a, a regular lawyer, I suppose, said I. With the blessing of Providence, Master Copperfield, replied Uriah. Perhaps you'll be a partner in Mr. Wickfield's business uh, one of these days, I said, as I make myself agreeable. And it will be uh, Wickfield and Heap, uh, or Heap, late Wickfield. Oh, no, Master Copperfield, replied Uriah, shaking his head. I am much too humble for that. He certainly did look uncommonly like the carved face on the beam outside my window as he sat in his humility, eyeing me sideways with his, with his mouth widened and the, and the creases in his cheeks. Mr. Wickfield is a most excellent man, Mr. Copperfield, said Uriah. If you had known him long, you know it, I am sure, much better than I can inform you. I replied that I was certain he was but that I had not known him long myself, though he was a friend of my aunt's. Oh, indeed, Mr. Copperfield, said Uriah. Your aunt is a, is a sweet lady, Mr. Copperfield. <laughs> but he was a, a way of writhing when he wanted to express enthusiasm, which was uh, very ugly. <laughs> God. Uh, which diverted my attention from the compliment he had paid my relation to the snarky twistings of his, uh, of his throat uh, and his body. A sweet lady, Master Copperfield, said Uriah Heap. She has a, a great admiration for Miss Agnes, Master Copperfield, I believe. I said, yes, boldly. Not that I knew anything about it, heaven forgive me. Uh, I hope you have too, Master Copperfield, said Uriah, but I am sure you must have. Oh, everybody must have, I returned. Oh, thank you, Master Copperfield, said Uriah Heap, for that remark. It is so true. Humble as I am, I know it is so true. Oh, oh, thank you, Mr. Copperfield. He writhed himself quite off his stool in the excitement of his feelings, and being off, began to arrangements for going home. Well, mother will be expecting me, he said, referring to a pale, uh, inexpressive-faced watch on his pocket. Uh, getting uneasy, for we are very humble, Master Copperfield. We are very much attached to one another, and if you would come and see us, oh, any afternoon, and uh, take a cup of tea at our lowly dwelling, Mother would be as proud of your company as I should be. I said I should be glad to come. Probably doesn't mean it. Thank you, Master Copperfield, returned Uriah, putting his book away on the shelf. I suppose you stop here uh, sometime, Mr. Copperfield. I said I was going to be brought up there, I believed, as long as I remained at school. Oh, oh, indeed, exclaimed Uriah. I should think you would come into the business at last, Mr. Copperfield. I protested that I had no views of that sort and that no such scheme was entertained in any behalf of my anybody, but Uriah insisted on blandly replying to all my assurances. Oh, yes, Master Copperfield, I should think you would, indeed, and, uh, Oh, indeed, Master Copperfield, I should think you would certainly, over and over again. 
Being at last uh, ready to leave the office for the night, he asked me if it would suit my convenience to have the light put out. And on my answering, yes, instantly extinguished it after shaking hands with me, and uh, his hand felt like a, like a fish in the dark. He opened the door out of the street a uh, very little and crept out and shut it, leaving me to grope my way back into the house, which cost me some trouble and uh, a fall over his stool. This was the proximate cause, I suppose, of my dreaming about him for what appeared to me to be half the night and dreaming, among other things, that he had launched Mr. Mr. Peggotty's house on a piratical expedition with a black flag at the masthead, bearing the inscription, Tint's Practice, under which diabolical design he was carrying me and little Emily to the Spanish main to be drowned. Well, with that, let's take a break here from the library and let's slip into uh, the master bedroom for a minute, just you and me. And let me read to you the latest in upcoming romance literature. Well, there you are, just hanging out in my silken sheets. Eh, looking for a good time, aren't you? Well, why don't you uh, put on this fireman's suit? Because we're going to learn about a book called All Consuming by Jackie Burton. A sizzling new romance about a, about a firefighter who reunites with an old flame, get it? And tries to rekindle passion that they once felt. When firefighter uh, Cal Donovan, weird name, transfers to the tactical rescue team, rescue team, he's determined to succeed by giving 100% of his attention. This proves more difficult at his 10-year high school reunion than when he runs into Hannah Clark, uh, his first love. Yeah, burp. She's still the smart, funny, beautiful girl he loved in high school, but everything's changed. She's divorced, has a son and has zero interest in exploring an old romance. Hannah has moved back home after a disastrous end to a marriage that never should have been. Now her only focus is getting her hair salon up and running and uh, making sure her son is happy. Uh, She doesn't have time for love, uh, especially not with Cal. She intends to look forward, not backward. And Cal is most definitely part of the past. However, as Hannah and Cal start spending time together, Hannah realizes that uh, what she's feeling for him hmm, isn't nostalgia, but red-hot attraction. Cal's intent on showing her what it's like to be cared for, uh, romanced, and consumed with passion, and Hannah loves it. But she wonders if she has the courage to risk her heart again, even as Cal vows not to lose her a second time. Oh, that sounds romantic and sexy. So, make sure to pick up All Consuming by Jackie Burton. It comes out March 2nd, which is uh, tomorrow, according to the recording of this podcast, for 16 bucks. You can get it everywhere. Uh, Books a Million, which I've never heard of. Uh, Hudson Booksellers, never heard of. Indie Bound, never heard of. Powell's, eh? Target, Walmart, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. So, uh, enjoy that. Go nuts for it. Let's dive into the the rest of this chapter. Well, 
I got a little the better of my uneasiness when I went to school the next day and a, and a good deal the better the next day. And so shook off by degrees that in less than a fortnight, oh, I was quite at home and happy among my new companions. I was awkward enough in their games and backward enough in their studies, but custom would improve me in the first respect, I hoped. And hard work in the second. Accordingly, uh, I went to work very hard, both in play and in earnest, and, gra- and gained great commendation. And in a very little while, the Murdstone and Grinby life became so strange to me that I hardly believed in it. Burp, while my present life grew so familiar that I seemed to have been leading it uh, a long time. Uh, Dr. Strong's was an excellent school, uh, as different from Mr. Creakle's, as good is from evil. It was very gravely and decorously ordered in a very sound system, with an appeal in everything to the honor and good faith of the boys, and avowed intention to rely on the possession of those quantities, uh, qualities unless they prov- uh, provided themselves uh, unworthy of it, which worked wonders. We all felt that we had a part in the management of the place, and in sustaining its character and dignity. Hence, we soon became warmly attached to it. I'm sure it did for one, and I never knew in all my time of any other boy being otherwise, and learned with a good will, uh, desiring to do it credit. We had noble games out of ours, and plenty of liberty. But even then, as I remember, we were well spoken of in the town, and Rarely did any disgrace by our appearance or manner to the reputation of Dr. Strong and Dr. Strong's boys. Some of the higher scholars boarded in the doctor's house, and though uh, through them I learned at second hand some particulars of doctor's history, as how we had not yet been married twelve months to beautiful young lady I had seen in the study whom he had married for love for she had not a a sixpence and had a world of poor relations, uh, so our fellows have said, uh, ready to swarm the doctor out of house and home. Also, uh, how the doctor's coagulating manner was attributable to his being always engaged in looking out for Greek roots, which in my innocence and ignorance I suppose to be a a botanical fur on the doctor's part, uh, especially as he always looked at the ground when he walked about until I understood that they were roots of words with a view to a new dictionary, which had he had in contemplation. Adams, oh, our head boy, who had a turn for mathematics, made a calculation I was informed of this time the dictionary would take in contemplating on the doctor's plan. And at the doctor's rate of going, uh, he considered that it might be done in 1,649 years, counting from the doctor's last or 62nd birthday. But the doctor himself was the idol of the whole school, and it must have been a badly composed school if it had been anything else, for he was the kindest of men, with a simple faith in him that might have touched the stone hearts of the very urns upon the wall as he walked up and down that part of the courtyard which was uh, at the side of the house with the stray rooks and jackdaws looking after him with the heads cooked slyly as if they knew how much more knowing they were in worldly affairs than he. If any sort of vagabond could get uh, near enough to his creaking shoes to attract his attention to one sentence of a tale of distress that vagabond was made for the next two days. It was so notorious in the house 
that the masters and the head boys took pains to cut these marauders off at angles and to uh, get out of windows and turn them out of the courtyard before they could make the doctor aware of their presence, which was uh, sometimes happily affected within a few yards of him without his knowing anything of the matter as he jogged to and fro. Outside his own domain and uh, unprotected, he was a uh, very sheep for the shears. Eh, he would have taken his gaiters off his legs to give away. In fact, there was a, a story current among us. I have no idea and have never had on what authority, but I have believed it for so many years that I felt quite certain it was true. Man, this is very wordy, this whole, these last two paragraphs. That on a frosty day, there's no periods. Uh, one winter time, uh, he actually did bestow his gaiters on a beggar woman who occasioned some scandal in the neighborhood while exhibiting a fine infant from door to door wrapped in these garments. These are all periods. There's no, they're, they're commas. There's no periods, uh, which were universally recognized uh, being as well known in the vicinity of the cathedral, period. Oh, the legend added that the only person who did not identify them was the doctor himself, who, when they were shortly afterwards displayed at the door of a little second-hand shop of no very good repute, where such things were taken in exchange for, uh, for gin, was more than once observed to handle them approvingly, as if admiring some curious novelty in the pattern, and considering them an improvement on his own. It was uh, very pleasant to see the doctor with his yeah, pretty young wife. He had a fatherly, benign way of showing his fondness for her, creepy, which seemed in itself to express a, a good man. I often saw them walking in the garden where the peaches were, and I sometimes had a near observation of them in the study or of the parlor. She appeared to me to take great care of the doctor and to like him very much, though I never thought her virtually interested in the dictionary, uh, some cumbrous fragments of which work the doctor always carried in his pockets and in his lining of his hat, and uh, generally, why, why would you keep the work you're doing like flying out of your pockets in the lining of your hat and generally seemed to be expounding to her as they walked about. I saw a good deal of Miss Strong, both because she had taken a liking to me on the morning of my introduction to the doctor uh, and uh, was always afterwards kind to me and interested in me. And because she was very fond of Agnes and was often backwards and forwards at our house, there was a curious constraint between her and Mr. Wickfield. Uh, I thought of uh, whom she seemed to be afraid that she never wore off. Uh, when she came there of an evening, she always shrunk from accepting his escort home and ran away with me instead. And sometimes, as we were running gaily across the cathedral yard together, expecting to meet uh, nobody, uh, we'd meet Mr. Jack Malden, ugh, who was always surprised to see us. Wasn't he going to see... He's supposed to be going away. Mrs. Strong's mama was a lady I took great delight in. Uh, her name was Mrs. Uh, Markleham. But our boys used to call her the old soldier on account of her generalship and, and the skill with which she marshaled great forces of relations against the doctor. Oh, she was a little sharp-eyed woman who used to wear, as she was dressed, uh, one unchangeable cap ornamented with some artificial flowers and two artificial butterflies uh, supposed to be hovering uh, above, the, above the flowers. There was a superstition among us that this cap had come from France and could only originate in the workmanship of that indigenous nation. Uh, but I, all I certainly knew about it is that we always made its appearance of an evening. 
uh, wheresoever Mrs. Markleham made her appearance, uh, that it was carried about to friendly meetings in a Hindu basket, that the butterflies had the gift of trembling constantly, and that they improved the shining hours at the Dr. Strong's expanse uh, like busy bees. I observed the old soldier, not to adopt the name disrespectfully, to pretty good advantage at a, a night which is made memorable to me by something else I shall relate. It was the night of a, a little party at the doctor's, which was given on the occasion of Mr. Jack Malden's departure for India. Oh, finally he's leaving. Whether he's going as a cadet or uh, something of that kind, Mr. Wickfield, having at length arranged the business, is happened to be the doctor's birthday, too. We had a, well, we had a holiday, uh, made presents to him in the morning, and had made a, a speech to him uh, through the head boy, and had cheered him until we were hoarse, and until he had shed tears. And now, in the, in the evening, Mr. Wickfield, Agnes, and I uh, went to have tea with him in his private capacity. Mr. Jack Malden was there. What, he hasn't left yet? Because before us, uh, Mrs. Strong... Uh, dressed in white with cherry-colored ribbons, was playing the piano when we went in, and he was leaning over her to turn the leaves. The clear red and white of her complexion was not so blooming and flower-like as usual, I thought, uh, when she turned around, but but she looked very pretty, uh, wonderfully, wonderfully pretty. "'I have forgotten, doctor,' said Mrs. Strong's mama when we were seated, to pay you the compliments of the day. Though they are, as you may suppose, very far from being more compliments in my case, uh, allow me to wish you many happy returns. Well, thank you, ma'am, replied the doctor. Many, many, many happy returns, said the old soldier, not only for your own sake, but for, for Annie's and for John Malden's and many other people's. It seems but yesterday to be John when you were a little creature, a head shorter than Master Copperfield, nah, making baby love to Annie behind the gooseberry bushes in the back garden. What? What? <laughs> My dear mamma, said Mrs. Strong, never mind that now. Yeah, obviously, let it, whatever that weirdness is, let it go. Annie, don't be absurd, returned her mother. Ugh. If you are to blush or to hear such things now, you are an old married woman. What are you not to blush or hear of them? Old, exclaimed Mr. Jack Malden. Annie, come. Yes, John, returned the soldier, virtually an old married woman. Although not old by eh, years. For when did you ever hear me say, or who has ever heard me say, that a girl of twenty was old by years? Oh, your cousin is the wife of the doctor, and as such that I have described her, it is well for you, John, that your cousin is the wife of the doctor. You have found in him an influential and kind friend who will be kinder yet, I venture to predict. If you deserve it, um, I have no false pride. I never... Hesitate to admit, frankly, that there are some members of your family who want a friend. You were one yourself before your cousin's influence raised up one for you. Yeah, the doctor, in the goodness of his heart, waved his hand as if to make light of it and save Mr. Jack Malden any further reminder, but Mrs. Markleham uh, changed her chair from one next to the doctor's and putting her fan 
on his coat sleeve said, Oh, no, really, my dear doctor, you must excuse me if I appear to dwell on this, rather, because I feel so very strongly, I call it quite my monomania. Ooh, let's look that one up. Monomania. Exaggerated or obsessive enthusiasm uh, for or preoccupation with one thing. No, all right, fine. I've heard it before, didn't know exactly what it's supposed to mean, but now we learned and it added nothing to my reading. It is such a subject of mine. Burp, you're a blessing to us. You really are a boon, you know. Oh, nonsense, nonsense, said the doctor. No, no, I beg your pardon, retorted the old soldier, with nobody present but our dear and confidential friend, Mr. Wickfield. I cannot consent to be put down. I shall begin to assert the privileges of a mother-in-law if you go on like that and scold you. I am perfectly honest and outspoken, and what I am saying is what I said when you first overpowered me with surprise. Oh, you remember how surprised I was by proposing for Annie? Oh, not that there was anything so very much out of the way or a mere fact of proposal. It should be ridiculous to say that, exclamation point. But because you have known her, poor father, and having known her from a baby six months old? I mean, I knew she was young, but okay... I hadn't thought of you in such a light at all, or indeed as a marrying man in any way. Simply that you know. Aye, aye, returned the doctor good-humoredly. Never mind. Yeah, he doesn't want to be reminded that he basically married a child. But I do mind, said the old soldier, laying her fan upon his lips. I mind very much. I recall these things that I may be contradicted if I am wrong. Well, when I spoke to Annie, I told her... What had happened, I said, my dear, here's Dr. Strong has positively been made you the subject of a handsome declaration and of a, an offer. Did I press it in the least? No. I said, now, Annie, tell me the truth this moment. Is your heart free? Mama, she said, crying. I am extremely young. Yeah, she's extremely young, which was perfectly true. Yes, everyone knows it. And I hardly know if I have a heart at all. Then, my dear, I said, you may rely upon on it. It's free. At all events, my love. Said I, Dr. Strong is in an agitated state of mind and must be answered. He cannot be, oh, kept in his present state of suspense. Mama, said Annie, still crying, would he be unhappy without me? If he would, I honor and respect him so much that I think I will have him. So, eh, it was settled. And then, and not till then, I said to Annie, Annie, uh, Annie, uh, Dr. Strong will not only be your husband, but he will represent your late father. What? What does that mean? He will represent the head of your family. He will represent the wisdom and station. And I may say the means of our family and will be, in short, a boon to it. I used the word at the time, and I have used it again today. If I have any merit in its consistency... Well, nothing like taking a young girl and saying this old man wants to bury you and uh, and then bringing the specter of her dead father into it. So she's just crippled by uh, obligation. The daughter had sat quite silent while still during the speech with uh, her eyes fixed on the ground, her cousin staying near her and looking on the ground too. She now said very softly in trembling voice, Mama, I hope you have finished. 
No, my dear Annie, returned the old soldier. I have not quite finished. Since you ask me, my love, I reply that I have not in italics. I complain that you really are a little unnatural towards your own family. Uh, and it, as it is of no comp- <laughs> no use complaining to you, I mean to complain to your husband. Now, my dear doctor, uh, do look at that silly wife of yours. As the doctor turned his kind face with, with its smile of simplicity and gentleness toward her, she drooped her head more. I noticed that Mr. Wickfield looked at her uh, steadily. When I happened to say that... Uh, Naughty thing the other day, pursued her mother, shaking her head and her fan at her playfully, that there was a family circumstance she might mention to you indeed. I think was bound to mention. She said uh, that to mention it is to ask a favor, and that as you were too generous, and as for her to ask was always to have, uh, she wouldn't. Annie, my dear, said the doctor, that was wrong. It robbed me of a pleasure. Almost the very words I said to her, exclaimed her mother. Now, really, another time when I know uh, what she would tell you, but for this reason and won't. Uh, I have a great mind, my dear doctor, to tell you myself. Well, I should be glad if you will, returned the doctor. Shall I? Certainly. Well, then I will, said the old soldier. That's a bargain. And having, I suppose, carried her point, uh, she tapped the doctor's hand several times with her fan, which she kissed first? That's in parentheses. She kisses the fan and then taps his hand. Everything's weird. And returned triumphantly to her former station. Uh, some more company coming in, among whom uh, were two masters and Adams, and talk became general. And it naturally turned on Mr. Jack Malden, who hasn't left yet, and his voyage, and the country he was going to, and his various plans and prospects. He was to leave that night after supper in a post-chaise for Gravesend, where the ship in which he was to make the voyage lay, and was to be gone unless he came home on leave or for his health, and I don't know how many uh, years. I recollect it settled by general consent that India was quite a misrepresented country and had nothing objectionable in it but a tiger or two, <laughs> and a little heat in the warm part of the day. Hmm. For my own part, I looked on Mr. Jack Malden as a, as a modern Sinbad, and picture him the bosom friend of all the Rajas in the East, sitting under canopies, smoking curly golden pipes, a, a mile long if they should be straightened out. Mr. Strong was a very pretty singer, as I knew, who often heard her singing. Oh, Miss Strong was a pretty, <laughs> pretty singer, as I knew, who often heard her singing by herself. But whether she was afraid of singing before people or was out of voice that evening, it was certain that she couldn't sing at all. Uh, she tried a duet once with her cousin Malden, but could not so much as begin. And afterwards, when she tried to sing by herself, although uh, she began sweetly, yeah, her voice died away on a sudden and left her quite distressed with her head hanging down over the keys. Well, that's depressing. What kind of a sight is that? Someone just giving up while playing. Uh, the good doctor uh, said she was nervous and to relieve her proposed a, uh, a round game of cards in which he knew was as of the art of playing the trombone. But I remarked that the old soldier took him into custody directly for her partner and instructed him, as the first preliminary of the intonation, to give her all the silver he had in his pocket. Weird. Uh, we had a, oh, a merry game. 
not made of less merry by the doctor's mistakes, of which he committed an innumerable quantity in spite of the watchfulness of the butterflies. And to their great aggravation, Miss Strong had declined to play on the ground of not feeling very well, and her cousin Malden had excused himself because he had some packing to do. Nah, because he'll never leave. When he had done it, however, he returned. Ugh. And they sat together. He keeps making a big show out of, like, I'm taking off, but then he just keeps coming back. Uh, talking on the sofa. From time to time, she came and looked over the doctor's hand and told him what to play. Uh, she was very pale as she bent over him, and I thought her finger trembled as she pointed out the cards. But the doctor was quite happy in her attention and uh, took no notice of this as if it were so. Doesn't judge her pale finger for leaving a snail's trail across the cards. At supper, we were hardly so gay. Everyone appeared to feel that a parting... Uh, of that sort was an awkward thing and that the nearer it approached the more awkward it was. Mr. Jack Malden tried to be very talkative but was not at his ease. It made matters worse and they were not improved as it was appeared to me by the old soldier who continually recalled passages of Mr. Jack Malden's youth. The doctor however who felt I am sure that he was making everybody happy was all pleased and had no suspicion about it. I have to reread this to show you how tough this is to read. The doctor, comma, however, comma, who felt, comma, I am sure, comma, that he was making everybody happy, comma, was well pleased, comma, and had no suspicion, uh, but that we were all at the utmost height of, of enjoyment, period. Just how, how is a man, a simple man with a simple podcast, supposed to read that? Annie, my dear, said he, looking at his watch and filling his glass. It's past your cousin Jack's time, and we must not detain him, since time and tide, both concerned in this ease, wait for no man. Mr. Jack Malden, you have a long voyage, which he'll never go on, and a strange country before you, but many men have had both, and many men will have both to the end of time. The winds you are going to tempt have wafted thousands upon thousands to fortune and brought thousands upon thousands uh, uh, happily back. It's an affecting thing, said Mr. Markleham, Mrs. Markleham. Oh, boy, I'm getting tired. However, it's viewed, it's affecting to see a fine young man one has known from an infant going away to another end of the world, uh, leaving all he knows behind and not knowing what's before him. A young man very well deserves constant support and patronage, looking at the doctor who makes such sacrifices. Time will go fast with you, Mr. Jack Malden, pursued the doctor, and fast with all of us. Some of us can hardly expect, perhaps, in the natural course of things, to greet you on your return. Uh, the next best thing to hope is to do it, and uh, that is my case. I should not worry... Uh, you with good advice. You have a long and good model before you in your cousin Annie. Imitate her virtues as nearly as you can. Mrs. Markleham fanned herself and shook her head. Farewell, Mr. Jack, said the doctor standing up, on which we all stood up. A prosperous voyage out, a thriving career abroad, and a happy return home. Well, he's not going to leave. He's just going to keep floating around. We all drank the toast. It all shook hands with Mr. Jack Malden, after which he hastily took leave of the ladies uh, who were there and hurried to the door where he was received and got into the chase with a tremendous broadside of cheers discharged by our boys who had assembled on the lawn for that purpose 
Running in among them to swell the ranks, I was very near the chaise when it rolled away, and I had a lively impression made upon me in the midst of the noise and dust of having seen Mr. Jack Malden rattle past in an agitated face and something cherry-colored in his hand. Oh, well, agitated face, he probably just keeps like, well, how long can I milk my leaving? Oh, they're forcing me to leave. I don't want to leave yet. Cherry-colored in his hand? He's an alcoholic. After another broadside for the doctor and another for the doctor's wife, the boys dispersed, and I went back into the house where I found the guests all standing in a group about the doctor, discussing how Mr. Jack Malden had gone away and how he had borne it and how he had felt it and all the rest of it. In the midst of these remarks, Mrs. Markleham cried, Where's Annie? No, Annie was there. And when they called to her, no Annie replied. But all pressing out of the room in a crowd to see what was the matter, we found her lying on the great hall floor. There was a great alarm at first until it was found that she was uh, uh, in in a swoon and that the swoon was yielding to the unusual means of recovery when the doctor, who had lifted her head upon her knee, put her curls aside with his hand and said, looking around, eh, uh, uh, Poor Annie! Yeah, she's so faithful uh, and tender-hearted. It's the parting from her old playfellow and friend, her favorite cousin, that has done this. Ah, it's a pity. I am very sorry. When she opened her eyes, and uh, we saw where she was, uh, and that we were all standing about her, she arose with assistance, turning her head as she did so to lay it on the doctor's shoulder, or uh, to hide it, I don't know which. Uh, we went into the drawing room to leave her with the doctor and her mother, but she said, it seemed, uh, that she was better than she had been since morning, and that she would rather be brought among us. So they brought her in and looking very uh, white and weak, I thought, and sat on her sofa. Annie, my dear, said her mother, doing something to her dress. Uh, See here, you you lost a bow. Will anybody be so good as to find a ribbon, uh, a cherry-colored ribbon? It was uh, the one she wore in her bosom. Oh, we all looked for it. I myself looked everywhere. I'm certain, but uh, nobody could find it. Uh, Oh, he's holding in his hand. Oh, could there be romance betwixt the cousins? Oh, that's why he'll never go on a ship and take off. Do you recollect where you had uh, at last, Annie? said her mother. I wondered how I could have thought she looked white or anything but burning red when she answered that uh, she had it safe. A little while ago, she thought, but it was not worth looking for. Nevertheless, it was looked for again and still not found. She entreated that there might be no more searching, but it was still sought for in a delusory way until she was quite well uh, and the company took their departure. We walked very slowly home. Mr. Wickfield, Agnes, and I, Agnes, and I admiring the moonlight, Mr. Wickfield scarcely raising his eyes from the ground when we at last reached our own door. Agnes discovered that she had uh, left her little reticule behind. Uh, Delighted to be of any service to her, I ran back to fetch it. Oh, I went to the supper room where it had been left, which was deserted and dark, always going to stumble across some kind of horrible secret. But the door of the communication between that and the doctor's study, uh, where there was a light being opened, I passed on there to say what I wanted, and uh, to get a candle. Heather! 
doctor was sitting in his easy chair by the fireside, and his young wife was on a stool at his feet. Yeah, she's not a happy lady. The doctor, with a complacent smile, was reading aloud some manuscript explanation or statement of a theory with interminable dictionary, and she was looking up at him, uh, but with such a face as I never saw. It's so beautiful in its form. Oh, it's so ashy pale. It was so fixed in its abstraction. It was so uh, full of a wild sleepwalking, dreamy horror of uh, I don't know what. Uh, the eyes were wide open, and her brown hair fell into two rich clusters on her shoulders, and her white dress disordered by the want of the lost ribbon. Uh, distinctly, as I recollect her look, I cannot say of what it was expressive. I cannot even say of what it was expressive to me now, rising again before my older judgment. Penance, uh, humiliation, shame, pride, love, and trustfulness. Oh, I see them all. And in them all, I see the horror of, uh, I don't know what. My entrance and my saying what I wanted roused her. It disturbed the doctor, too, for when I went back to replace the candle I had taken from the table, he was patting her head. Yeah, this is all just not good, as far as marriages go. Oh, in his fatherly way. Yep, pretty creepy and gross. And saying he was merciless drone to let her tempt him into reading on. And he would ever go to bed. Yeah, but she asked him in rapid, urgent manner to let her stay, to, to, to let her feel assured. I heard her murmur some broken words to this effect, uh, that she was in his confidence that night. And as she turned again toward him after glancing at me as I left the room and went out the door, I, I saw her cross her hands upon his knee and look up at him with the same face, something quieted, as he reassumed his reading. It made a great impression on me. And I remembered it a long time afterwards, as I shall have occasion to narrate uh, when, the, uh, when, the, when the time comes. Well, with that, let's uh, retire to the smoking room to review what we've read. Let's uh, recap this chapter. David goes to school and he meets a new headmaster, Dr. Strong. Uh, he's confused at first about Annie and finds out uh, that she's so young and also Dr. Strong's wife, which is weird. Uh, so from that, uh, David feels at home in his new lodgings. David and the Wickfields agree that he will continue to live with them for the remainder of his school days. So that's great. Uh, he has more uncomfortable conversations with Uriah Heep, who's just a nice guy. Uh, and he just wants to be a lawyer and partner with Mr. Wickfield someday. And a few days later, there's a going-away party for Jack Malden, who will basically never leave. Yeah, he's going to work in India through the connections of uh, Dr. Strong and Mr. Wickfield. And Mrs. Strong, who is uh, real, real chatty, makes very emotional scene about Dr. Strong's generosity. Uh, to her relatives, which embarrasses the daughter. And then she's uh, upset by Malden's departure. Uh, Mr. Wickfield in particular notices her reaction, uh, but tries to ignore it. So, uh, and then when uh, Malden finally leaves, he's all upset and he's holding one of the weird red ribbons from the breast of uh, his cousin. And so that kind of leads to something creepy. Uh, so David 
is learning a lot about the people in his new life, uh, but his own innocence, he doesn't see the whole picture. Uh, Jack Malden and the relationship between uh, Dr. and Mrs. Strong is probably going to keep getting worse. Uh, the emotional scenes of Mrs. Strong's mother will continue to put Mrs. Strong in a compromising uh, situation, I'm sure. So, uh, Mr. Wickfield drinks a lot. Uh, and there's also Uriah Heap having dreams. He's just a person that apparently everyone can't stand, but he's just a man that has dreams. So, uh, with that, uh, what's good about this? Well, I don't know. Story-wise, uh, well, I mean, the writing, of course, I'm always happy with. Uh, the story itself, nothing good so far. Everyone keeps pushing this kid around. He's being told, oh, you can stay here at the Wickfield house as long as you're in school. You don't have to go anywhere. This place could be a place you can actually consider your regular home at the end of the day and not be surprised by going someplace else. But uh, who knows if that's really going to be the case. Because every time anyone says, oh, hey, relax, this is your home now. They're like, get out. Uh, what sucks? Everyone keeps telling them to get out all the time. Get out of my house. Oh, we love you. You're such a great kid. Get out of my house. What do we learn? Eh, same thing as last time. Apparently, in this world where uh, everyone's white, if you got red hair, you're uh, going to be discriminated against. The poor kid is putting his finger as he's reading. He's trying to learn law so he can become a lawyer someday. Putting his finger across what he's reading, and he's being accused of dragging a snail's trail of slime from his clammy white hands. It's weird. Uh, but uh, but the, the, the young wife is supposed to be just as pale, but she's beautiful. I don't get it. Uh, but in either case, I feel fussy. So with that, uh, we're going to end the episode. Uh, and I guess I'll get back to Twitter again. I'm trying really hard to dive into Twitter and uh, try to promote the, the show a little bit, see if we get some more people listening. And, uh, oh, I hate it. It takes so much time. And I think I'm offending people, or people are offending me. It's just uh, Twitter's a cesspool. And there I am in it, like a, like, a, like a prostitute, just putting myself out there. I hate every second of it. Well, with that, thanks for listening. Uh, we will see you uh, next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a house nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, 
you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left.